Welcome to the Sermon Amp Podcast. I'm Joseph Wheat, pastor and host, and today we're going to be looking at one of the most important pieces of the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, the shield of faith. And boy, do we need to lift it up, because the fiery darts of the wicked are headed our way. But stick around till the second segment of the podcast, and you'll meet one of my dear friends and close partners in ministry, Richard Dixon. But first, the sermon amp, or amplification, of Ephesians 6, 16. Take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked. This is the first piece of armor that's not always just on you and ready. The belt of truth is always on, the breastplate of righteousness is always on, and the gospel shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace always on. We begin a series now of those pieces of armor that you've got to take up for the battle. The first is the shield of faith, and this shield Paul has in mind the shield of a Roman hoplite soldier, a Roman legionnaire soldier. And those shields weren't the small round shields that the Greeks used that were so light and you could run and very maneuverable. These were the shields, the scutum shields, that literally the word meant door. So it's like a a little door that you get to hide behind that you hold up with your hand. Four feet tall by two and a half feet wide. Two pieces of what we would call plywood glued together, uh, rounded so that uh, it presented a little bit of a rounded uh, concave front. And then uh, skin on the inside or leather so you could hold it up comfortably with your arm. And on the outside, a thin sheet of metal. And we're going to find out why that's important in a minute. But uh, in the spiritual realm, taking up the shield of faith, I think what we need to remember is the calculus of this passage, and it goes something like this. Shield blocks arrows. So if you can get shield blocks arrow, shield blocks arrows, then you've got this passage. So the shield is that Roman shield. The arrows or darts or King James missiles, a lot like the arrows we know, maybe not quite as long as the arrows that uh, we think of, but these arrows are double terrifying in this passage because they are flaming arrows. They are arrows that have a substance that holds uh, the pitch or or other uh, flammable material they were dipped in that would stay lit in flight. So if you didn't get that shield up, you'd have an arrow sticking into you, which of course could be fatal and it certainly won't help you, could immobilize you, but you're on fire as well. And even if you block the flaming arrow, and that is why the outside was covered with metal, so that the shield wouldn't catch on fire. Even if you blocked this flaming arrow, that flammable material would come off, and there would just be fire in the midst of the soldiers. And so uh, these shields 
are important. One of the generals in the decisive battle between Pompey and Caesar on Caesar's side records in his after-action report that he, he took out no less than 220 darts out of his shield, and not one of them hit him. So you can see how important the shield was. Well, the shield is spiritually, in our spiritual warfare with Satan and his hosts, the spiritual enemies, principalities, and uh, rulers in high places. The shield's called the shield of faith because it is faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the wicked one. And what does that look like? Well, it's two things that I'd like to bring out. First is this relational faith of living in the gospel that the Old Testament says, you, O Lord, are a shield about us. You're our glory and the lifter of our head. This is the notion that Paul uses so many times. It's his number one designation of what the Christian life is. Number one is this, in Christ. Don't you love that? We are in Christ. So we are surrounded by, we are in Christ. Colossians 3 says that we are hidden in Christ, in God. And so as we are focused in our faith on the gospel, the grace of God, we are reminded whose we are. We are reminded that he is the one who is actually leading a life that is eternal. This is where our confidence comes from, to meet the foe, because God is with us. But there is this other dimension that it's not just recognizing that God is our shield and we are passive in this warfare. It does say, take up, lift up the shield of faith. And this has to do with simply believing God's word rather than our feelings or opinions, opinions of others, the philosophy of this world. We need to be under the scriptures and we need to have our faith in what God has said. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Certainly it's about that faith in relationship with God, but it's also about the fact that Abraham believed what God said, and that's why he was able to do. Moses, by faith, believed what God told him and went down and, and faced the, the uh, despot of the, the world at that time, Pharaoh. And so lifting up the shield of faith is actually believing what God says. It's dwelling in the scriptures, and this is how we are going to stay focused and we are going to be able to move through this battle without the distractions, without being immobilized because Satan wants us to believe God doesn't love you anymore. He's not going to come through for you. You know, all these messages that lead to such discouragement, one of the great flaming arrows of the enemy, Lift up the shield of faith, shields up, and you will extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one. Welcome to the second segment of the podcast. I am here with one of the finest and 
I must say, most enjoyable elders that I have ever served with, Richard Dixon. Richard, good to have you on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be with you, Joseph. You know, I remember when I met you uh, in 2004 or so in the search process for uh, the place where I've been for 16 years now, believe it or not. Um, but I remember you and Monty Simpkins coming out uh, to Colorado Springs and just that time together. And I remember telling Gina, man, I really like these guys. <laughs> and uh, my suspicion was confirmed. And Richard, I have to say about you, before we get into just learning more about you, and I've told you this before, you know, small p pastor, okay? That's like shepherding gifts. Mm -hmm. You're a better pastor than I am. I mean, I'm, I'm not a bad one, and I really love the sheep, but you've just got that, that real heart for the sheep. So I think the people in our listening audience are going to want to learn more about that. We're going to come back to ministry uh, later, but let's start with um, you are from Pickens, Mississippi, the metropolis of Pickens, right? Correct. Tell oh. us about your young life and take us up through college. I grew up in uh, Holmes County, Mississippi. Uh, my mother and father had four boys, God bless her. And I was the youngest of four boys, and the closest brother to me was maybe six years older than I was. So they kind of had their family and went through. Okay. But, I, you know, my father was in World War II. My mother, you know, was here, and then they came back and were married and brought in a lot of, a lot of things <laughs> right. that I was privy to, probably shouldn't have been, <laughs> uh -huh. and went through a lot of things in regards to that. So, so are you referring to some tumultuous times in your family of origin? Absolutely, which I wouldn't have traded them for anything in the world. Uh, they remained together throughout their life, through their marriage. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a lot of the things that, that people who go through things like that tend to have a heart. Meaning war. Yeah. Yeah. War. Yeah. I get it. And then family war. Yeah. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. But I went to uh, high school in Kent Academy, uh, went to college and junior college at Holmes Junior College, Harvard on the Hill, as <laughs> my people refer to that. And um, and then on to Mississippi State from there and met my wife, Emily. Um, Definitely better half. Oh, my goodness, Lord. <laughs> God bless her, I tell you. <laughs> now, uh, I, I will say about Emily, Emily is a phen phenomenal athlete. She was on the basketball team at Bellhaven. But, Richard, you're a really good athlete, too. I mean, I've heard other people talk about your athletic prowess in high school. Yeah, I really thought I was something. <laughs> and I know you're still really great at tennis. I've played tennis one time with him, yeah, and it was embarrassing well. for me. No, I yeah, didn't. Yeah. Okay, so um, when did you come to know Christ? You know, grew up in the Baptist church, and there was not ever a time, you always hear that, was not ever a time where I didn't know who Jesus Christ was in my life. Yeah. Walked down at nine, I, and I remember it to this day, I did it to satisfy my mother because, you know, going through all those tumultuous times, you know, you, you, you almost want to give her yeah. something she desires in that regard. I believed it. I knew him. But, you know, as anything else, it, it really wasn't until I met my wife and really got into the Reformed faith where I had my, and I call it a spiritual awakening, not where I got saved, but, yeah, sure. but I, I woke up spiritually. 
and and when I say that woke up spiritually, I begin to apply the obedience of what he's called me to be through that because I remember Dr. Baird saying everything that he taught us, do not take my word for it. Look it up yourself. Yeah, Dr. Baird, by the way, longtime pastor of First Presbyterian Church of Jackson, very close personal friend, he and Jane of mine. I mean, you know, that church started this church. Mm. We've got such connections, but I can just see you. You know, Richard, you got a great sense of humor, and a lot of times people that have a great sense of humor are very intelligent. That's how they kind of pull it off, and you definitely are one of those people. I could see you in my mind's eye right now. Um, really kind of turning on to the richness of our theology mm. in the Presbyterian Church and the Reformed faith. I became a sponge for that. And, you know, growing up in a little Baptist church like that, there's one thing I definitely knew, Joseph. I knew I was a sinner because every Sunday I was preached to as a sinner. I was asked to come down front as a sinner. I was asked to be saved every Sunday yeah. as a sinner. And the transition into the Reformed faith was, you know, you are a Christian and here's what a Christian looks like. Here's how a Christian functions. Here are the roles, responsibilities that God had prepared mm-hmm. for you to provide for you so that you may be safe and to be a pivotal cog in the advancing kingdom of God. It blew me away. Yeah, and that free grace mm. that just takes us up into the arms of the Father through the death of Jesus, not based on our own works, Amen. but the finished work of another, Christ for us, and being able to rest while passionately pursuing it, those don't shouldn't yeah. go together. But it's that soul rest and that hunger, right? And that desire to seek God and to and to love Him and serve yeah. Him. Yeah, and it was before it was I have to do this, this, and this to attain that. Yeah, as opposed to it's been done for you. Yeah. Therefore, go do. It's better to obey because you're loved than to try to get <laughs> love. That is so true. For exactly. Sure. And that will ripple out. Okay. So uh, you've been in business uh, for many years. I know you're kind of, I asked you before, I'm going to botch this, the regional director of wealth management for Bancorp South Bank. Oh, that's very good. Has yeah. that, that worked? Yeah. yeah. So as long as I've known you, you've been uh, um, working in the banking industry. Uh, was that true pretty much straight out of college? And college, it was, I kind of evolved through commercial insurance and different things. Yeah. And then I, I really found this niche, if you will, for, you know, helping people out with their estates, doing some insurance kind of thing. And then there was a independent insurance a trust company that it began, and they were able to bring me on. And I just began to learn about that. And then I got into the business development part of it. Yeah. where I was connecting products with people yeah. for them, yeah. and it's just, it worked out really well. It well. sure is helpful to, to have a plan and makes you sleep better at night to have somebody that knows the rules. Preach hey, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, anyway, um, so you and Emily uh, are, are just that, that young couple just coming on spiritually and then a family. Comes. Talk to us a little about who your children are in their birth order. I love your kids. Yeah, Clay Dixon um, was born in 91 while we were at First Press. Yeah. And Dr. Baird baptized him. And uh, and then Steve Rosenblatt came to us and said, would you all like to be a part of a new church that we're planning in Madison? And, man, we said, absolutely. So we began to meet and do all of that. And uh, Brad was the second. Brad Dixon's my second child. 
He was a second, second baby <laughs> baptized at Highlands. Oh, I mean, it was one of those. Historic. It was this Olak kid that got in before. <laughs> so I was, I always was. And then Ginger Dixon came along in 95. And, of course, the church, we started meeting in 92. And I think we became particular in 94 or 6. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. All I know is that you were right in here from the beginning, and didn't Highlands kind of part of one of the nexus of starting in like a Bible study in your house? Tell us a little bit about yeah, those early days. There, there were two Bible studies. Uh, First Press began, and uh, the missions committee was Steve Rosenblatt was on and, and was leading, and Ray Higgins uh, had a Bible study in his home, and they asked for one in Madison County. And we said, absolutely, let's try it. And this elder came and who walks up, you know, Bo and Joanna, for example, yeah, were, yeah. were there. And the first time I'd ever met them before and people looking for a church. And then we came together and then we started our nomad lifestyle of going to the Pentecostal yeah. church. And, you know, <laughs> The children of Israel wandering in the wilderness finally get a permanent place of worship. You know, I was a church planner, too, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I, I get that. There's a lot of heavy lifting, uh, not only spiritually, but literally to haul those chairs and oh, plants man. and pulpits. Tell you stories. BYOP, bring yeah. your own pulpit. I've been there, man. Down. I was a roadie. <laughs> a roadie, that's right. Blessed are the roadies. <laughs> well, um, so your kids are, are grown and gone, and, and some of them have their own families yep. now. They're all great. Um, Richard, I want to talk about a little bit about uh, when you became an elder. Um, when did you become an elder at Highlands? I was the first class here okay. uh, at 30 years old. Wow. Um, we were married, Emily and I were married at 24, and that that's when – you know, I, I fell in love with Emily, the Jesus in Emily. I mean, she mm. loved the Lord. I mean, she yeah. always consumed herself with the things of God, and she had a standard that would not beat the band. And for any young woman listening, you know, you don't compromise anything. You stay with whose you are, not who you are. Yeah, and she's and, just real consistent. And, absolutely, and man, this old boy began to grow. And I remember the time she said, well, you've, you've, you've gone in before me in your spirituality. And no, I think I have now attained the role that God called me to yeah. based on you were able to show Christ through you. So you Pickens know. had a little catching up to do. Wow. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of yards I needed to make up. Yeah. And you know, for those of you listening out there and, and you hear that, just keep in mind that you know, we are where we are um, just at any given particular place and be encouraged that God just wants to bring mm -hmm. the, the understanding and the knowledge and the beauty and the love. He wants to shape our lives with his truth. He wants to shape our lives through walking with other believers in the church, being under the word of God, being a part of the sacraments. And wherever you are, just hear what Richard's saying. He's, he's basically saying, for nobody's fault but mine, I just had not kicked into that gear spiritually, and then I just really began to grow. So yep. if you're out there and you identify with that, be encouraged because, you know, seek the Lord. Mm. He, he wants to teach you and grow you more than you want to learn. To provide and to protect you, not yeah. to keep you from doing 
right. the good, fun things in life, right. but to protect you in a sin-sick world. Yeah, one of the things I like about you is you like to have fun. And one of the things I love about Highlands, I mean, it's kind of about the party here in yes, some ways. Sir. You know, you know I've, I've said before on this podcast, you know, we've been here 16 years and just love it and love the people, but my, my big vision is don't mess it up. You know, there's a spirit of grace and, and love and acceptance. Don't mess it up, Joseph. But you've been very important in my life. Um, you're, you're always an encourager. Uh, Richard's one of those people, he'll pray for you, and you've just got that, that good attitude. Um, you come alongside people well, Richard, and I want to thank you for that. Um, just the, I mean, you've made a real impact in my life. And as an elder, you're one of the finest shepherding elders, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, for the pastor not to have to just kind of, you know, go through the razor wire and, and be the first person to make contact with people is such a blessing. I remember when I first came here, I was training the elders about how to engage pastorally with people and I said, you know, a lot of times I and the other pastor, we're obviously we're going to be first responders, and mm-hmm. that just happens. And we're we're that's why we went to seminary. You know, we we want to do that. But but in the Presbyterian form of government, for those of you who are not quite familiar with that, um, we really believe in this thing called the plurality and really the equality of elders. So you know, I see Richard, who is right across the table from me, as an equal elder. You know, and so I remember training you guys, and I said, "Okay, you know what's going to happen is, you know, I'm going to send you uh, somewhere, or you're just going to go somewhere to talk to somebody, and you know, you don't have to have like all the answers. If you could just listen and pray with them, and and bring back some understanding, so we could really pray through and and really help folks." Um, and said, you're going to get in your car, and you're going to pick up your cell phone, you're going to call, and you're going to say, here's what's going on, what do we do next, as if I have all the answers. I said, one day, I don't know if you remember me telling you this, I said, one day you're going to do this over and over, and you and the other elder or whoever you're with will get in the car, and you'll say, let's call. No, we don't need to. We'll talk to Joseph later. And that has happened. Yes. And, um, and I, I've even found out later just that you've just – initiated and loved and and made contact with people that just really needed that contact and uh you, you know you informed me later because things were getting better for those of you that might be listening who are pastors out there that is that's the way it ought to work so thanks for just being a, a shepherd with me and with brad and and billy and devin our, our ordained staff mm. and that Work. You remember us talking no about that? No question about it, and and I I really think that that should be the structure of how it needs to be for all churches because you, Joseph, do a phenomenal job at at pre- preaching the word, casting the vision of the church, and for elders to be this involved based off of your leadership in that consultative role because you know we get backed in the corner sometimes and we have to come to you and. And you have always, from the outside in, given great insight that allowed us to continue to minister and to shepherd and to serve. And without that give and take, you know, then I I think everybody takes on their personal identity, which is a burden when you try to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to come back to the shepherding in a minute just with a question um, that I've 
briefed Richard in advance for. Uh, you do love to play tennis. You love people. What do you What do you like to do, Richard? I love exercising. Exercising mm -hmm. kind of gives me that adrenaline, that mm -hmm. you know, that that good feeling. Burn off some of that stress. Burn yours. off the stress, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. And uh, and of course Emily does too. So so we exercise and we walk and we spend yeah. a lot of time together and playing tennis. But it, it's the community of not necessarily being with everybody in the church all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be in and about God's business mm -hmm. in the secular world. Yeah. We and call that the, at the intersections of life and culture. It's absolutely the truth. Yeah. And if you're able to participate in things with a multitude of different lifestyles, mm -hmm. then then that puts you in a position to actually interject and to witness and yeah. to share your testimony in, in great ways. You know, I find that pe it's easier for people to, you know, be on the sidelines of their soccer game or their baseball game with their kids or their recitals or whatever. But you've really made a priority of the body of Christ. And, you know, somebody comes in that door and is just, you know, checking Highlands out, worshiping. I mean, you're, you're very open to, to, to meeting that person, wanting to know. Like, the, everyone, everyone has such value because we're made in the image of God, and and God really wants His church to be a redemptive and beautiful, relational thing for folks. Um, thank you for that too. Yeah, well, it's a very pleasing thing because people are a lot more interesting than I am. I mean, I want to know. I want to know what's going on with you. I want to know where you're from, what you did, who your family, all what's the mom and them. You know, it's it's all of that because. With everybody, you make connections, and through those connections, yeah. God is there. You know, to go back to just some difficulty in that family of origin, I, I always, I've never really quite known that. Mm. You mentioned it once or twice, but I've always kind of felt maybe that you were an overcomer in some ways, and God, oh, God uses that in our lives. Yep. It was, um, you know, my father had an alcohol issue mm -hmm. um so he was probably a functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. my mother you know found out later in life that she had things in early in her life that happened to her and women with trauma and you know just it just issues that go along with things that shouldn't happen to yeah. young girls and you know and it came in the relationship in this train wreck mentality they loved each other but from the beginning it was tumultuous and and we we were kind of the you know the ones who caught the most wrath from yeah. that and yet i think probably it sounds like in there you know we're all just kind of a wreck you know we're all a mess <laughs> that's why ministry is just messy it's okay it's yeah. okay that's yeah. what we're like but you know they did have y'all in church and yes. it sounds like family was a great priority it was you gotta I, love it, that too no you know because i know like with my family of origin you know and 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 with me and gina with our daughters you know we lie awake at night going we know we've messed them up lord we're just not sure yeah. and you know Okay, so I want to to ask you these two questions real quick. The first is, you are one of these people that's unafraid to to kind of move into a place with somebody where they might be defensive, they might feel shame, they might just be really discouraged. 
not everybody's up for that because they're just not sure what's going to happen when they get there, you know. Mm. Could you give us just a word of a little bit of, of a word about how to do that? Well, you know, having gone through a lot of traumatic things at an early age and, you know, and realizing the greatness of forgiveness once you realize that we're all broken, you know, mm-hmm. and you're able to share that and it kind of brings everybody on the same level at that point. But defensiveness is is just a mechanism of, you know, the bottom line, what you send, but there's something going on underneath yeah. everyone's. And it's hurting, whatever yeah. that thing going but, on but underneath. seeing somebody that defensive in regards to it draws me even more into it because we know that there's something there yeah. and time okay. spent. Um, okay, one other question is the uh, one of the things I've noticed about you too is that young guys really do, the younger guys, when they know you, they love being around you. Encourage us about how to just not necessarily hang out, but I think a lot of us would want to encounter the younger folks. I don't know if we're afraid because they're a different generation or or what, but could you give us a, maybe a word about that? Yeah, from our generation, I think we, we've got to be more intentional in reaching out to these guys and grabbing them and bringing them in, talking to them, that sort of thing. When we were coming along, you know, there were men that we could reach out to because we aspired to be – and I think this generation uh, has gotten to a point to where they feel like they have they know it all or know a lot more than mm-hmm. we did, mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, so it's a little different. So I, I mm-hmm. would think that, and I would even encourage the younger. And with global communication, they yeah. just know a, that a, they do a know billion factoids. No Absolutely, yeah. but I would encourage them to reach out to if they aspire to know more. About the yeah. things of God. And, and we need to be reaching out to them. Because, yes. you know, I have found, I love the millennials. Uh, there's all the kind of things said about yeah. They really do want something real and something relational. Yes, and I, I learn so people. much. And I learn a lot just yeah. being with them and growing with them. And you're able to, you know, just show them a little wisdom of what you've experienced, which that's all wisdom is, right? It's yeah. something you've gone through. And they yeah. really add on to so that. So someone talked about, you know, leadership looking like just moving in and blessing. Mm-hmm. I think – I definitely think of you in that regard. And, um, Richard, it's just great to get to know you. I've actually learned a few things about you that I didn't know. <laughs> and uh, thank you for your service at, at Highlands. Thank you just for you and Emily just loving people so well and your your great commitment to the body of Christ. It's it's exciting. I think the best is yet to come. I believe you're right. I look forward to it. Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, Oh, Richard. God bless you, brother. All right. Welcome to the third segment of the podcast, Joseph's Pocket Full of Vision. And I am pulling out of my theoretical pocket now something to give you and encourage you in your spiritual life. And actually was given this by Richard Dixon, who I just interviewed and it's so right. Let's don't forget praising God. It's not just about thinking about who God is, and it's certainly not just about asking God for things, although God wants us to think about who he is and ask him for things. Um, it's about something in our heart that reaches out to his greatness and his grace and his love that praises him. 
It may just be the attributes of God. You know, God's all loving, all knowing, all wise, uh, all these omnis, you know, omnipotent, all powerful. Uh, Maybe that's where you start. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a kind of a thanksgiving kind of praise. But this week in your walk with the Lord, spend a few minutes intentionally just praising God for who he is. That's your pocket full of vision.